So we're in the book of Galatians. This is lesson 21, and we're in the middle of chapter 4. Paul has laid out his argument from Scripture. And now before continuing his argument from Scripture, he's going to make it a personal appeal to the Galatians. And let's begin today by restating a little bit the purpose of the letter and examine both sides of the issue at hand. Uh, There's a reason for it, which I'll state later. But some of the Jewish believers or possibly non-Jews who have become proselytes are trying to convince the non-Jewish Galatians that they are unclean. And maybe not part of the world to come because they have not followed the tradition of the Jewish people for becoming full covenant members in the way that was brought about by the sages. This tradition required non-Jews to become full Sinai covenant members as the Jewish people to include circumcision. And remember, when you hear the word circumcision in Galatians, it does not always register for us all that it meant to Paul. When he wrote the word, he had much more in mind than we have in mind. You see, Paul, when Paul says circumcision, he's referring to an entire conversion process. And the end result of that requires the prospect to live as the Jewish people by adhering to the laws of the book of the Torah and the whole of Jewish traditionary law as well. The whole book of the Torah by the way of the oral Torah. They're asking non-Jews to vow to live as they do. And the result would be that these non-Jews would be the same as if they had stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and said yes to keeping the Torah through the same mediators that the Jewish people had vowed to do. So in the end, they're going to live, eat, dress as a Jewish person. We could say that they've changed their ethnicity. They're no longer as one from the nations. But now as the Jewish people, that would be close to being accurate. It's a question of identity, this whole book. These influencers are also saying that if you don't do these things, then even if you know Yeshua to be Messiah, even though you've received the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, and He's worked miracles among you, you're still not a full covenant member. You're still unclean. Because that's what our teachers have taught. Tradition says you are unclean. From Paul's argument, we can determine that they're also saying that unless you do this, you have no share in the world to come. We can also assume from his argument that they're saying that unless you observe the Torah as we do, if you do keep Torah as we do, then you will be declared righteous by your Torah observance. And so in essence, what they're saying is that we don't care about faith in Messiah Yeshua. If you don't follow this traditional process of the sages, then you're going to be ostracized. And Paul is pleading with the Galatians not to take the on these laws and traditions. They're the same laws and traditions that he was enslaved by, that Yeshua freed him from. And they've enslaved the Jewish people for centuries. You don't need a mediator or men to teach you. You don't need works of the law to make you righteous because you are righteous in Messiah. And you have the Spirit of God to guide you. And he's pleading them with them from his own experience. I want to take a short excursion today and try to make this really as clear as possible because I have the time because of the way this book is laid out. Uh, The book of Galatians is really not all that tough. 
And I have time today because the verses we're going to cover don't take a whole lot of time. But if I move on to the next set of verses, they take too much time. So we'll spend a little time in review. Influencers are teaching that God chose the Hebrew people to be his only covenant people at Mount Sinai. They're teaching that the only those of Hebrew descent or proselytes, those uh, of that ethnicity are part of God's covenant community. They, by virtue of standing at Mount Sinai and saying yes to God, are his covenant people. In other words, we are it. We made it. We're God's covenant people. So they say, then they say, that's bad news for you non-Jews. We're in. You're out. But we do have some good news for you. The good news is our sages have made a way for you to join the covenant community and thereby have a share in the world to come. All you have to do is live as we live. Commit to live according to the law given to Moses as we do. And by that, we mean all of its subsequent rulings by the sages and the rabbis. This is what Paul deems works of the law. So they're telling them that these works of the law have to be obeyed with the same reverence as the book of the law. And then all that's left for you to do is take on the mark of the covenant. Just get circumcised. Go through a bath. And if you do that, hey, guess what? You're in. Which brings us, they teach that the covenant community is holy due to following the commands in their prescribed manner. They teach that the community is holy as God has given them the Torah. And if you want to be holy and have fellowship with us and be justified before God, then you too must keep the commands and keep them by the same works of the law that we do. And the first step in this process is uh, to become a proselyte. You must first learn and vow to keep the Torah through our particular works of the law. You have to be circumcised. You have to go through water immersion. And then finally, you have to offer the prescribed offerings. This was the traditional method of accepting people into the covenant community of Israel. This, according to the sages, was the only way that a Jewish person could have table fellowship with a non-Jew. He had to go through this process. And by that, I mean go into the home of a non-Jew and eat. He couldn't do that unless he'd gone through this process. And keep in mind that table fellowship, this type of fellowship is really what makes a community. To point that up, I saw an example of that last week. Last week in the Sabbath service, several people came up to me. They were all excited because they had gathered together for an Arab Shabbat meal. And they had fellowship together. And they said, oh, it was so great. This is going to be a tradition now. You may have seen their posts on Facebook, how excited they were about it. They took pictures and so forth. See, this is the type of fellowship that makes community. It's not just going to services once a week. Amen? So the influencers are saying, we can't have fellowship with you. And this is the type of thought that left those who had accepted Yeshua and yet were still uncircumcised, left them in the eyes of these people as second-class citizens. Their salvation through Yeshua had no bearing on community status. And now Paul views all of this quite differently, of course. And he's going to refute each of these arguments and each of these steps in this process as well. Paul teaches that true covenant promises come through Abraham. 
And in the same way that they came to Abraham. Paul takes covenant status farther back than Mount Sinai. There he is. He says that non-Jews are heirs to the promises of the covenants given to Abraham. And he refutes circumcision by showing that Abraham was declared righteous and given these promises before he was circumcised. He contends that they are covenant members not through the covenant at Sinai, but through the same faith that Abraham had. That same faith that Abraham lived by. And not just that, but he contends that the influencers are no different. We all become covenant members through faith in the seed of Abraham. The Sinai covenant is secondary to the promises given to Abraham, not the other way around. Let's look at the first promise recorded to Abraham again. It's Genesis chapter 12, verse 2 says, I will make you a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great. You will be a blessing and I will bless those who bless you. And I will curse whoever curses you. And all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through you. You see, the first promise given to Abraham is that all the peoples, all the nations of the earth will be blessed through him. Nothing for Abraham to do except leave his country, which he did. So the rest of what we read is a promise. The promise that the nations will be blessed through Abraham is totally incumbent upon God to bring it about. Abraham has done his part by leaving her. Paul points out that nothing that happens after this can nullify this promise that God has made to bless the nations through Abraham. Now at the offering of Isaac in chapter 22, God tells Abraham how he will bless the nations and keep this promise that he's made to Abraham. He says this in verse 16, I swear by myself, declares the Lord, that because you have done this, And have not withheld your son, your only son. I will surely bless you and make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and the sands on the seashore. Your descendants will take possession of the cities of their enemies. And through your seed, all nations on the earth will be blessed because you have obeyed me. You see, what I want you to see is, again, there is nothing here for Abraham to do. He already completed his part. That's why God says, because you have done this. The only promise is on God's part. Abraham's part is all done. And not just that, but God swears by himself. Because there's nothing greater to swear by. He says that through Abraham's seed, all the nations will be blessed. Not because Abraham is going to do something. Not because he must do something. But because Abraham has already done everything required of him in offering his son. So again, now it's totally incumbent upon God to do what he has said. And later in Isaiah, I later Isaiah confirms the promise said here. That through Abraham's seed, all the nations will be blessed. In 49 verse 6 he says... It's too small a thing for you to be my servant to restore the tribes of Jacob and bring back those of Israel that I have kept. I will also make you a light for the Gentiles that you may bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The seed of Abraham will bless and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. And there's nothing that can change that promise that God has made. He promised it. It's yes and amen. Or as I like to say, it's a done deal, folks. 
And to counter the influencers on the nations keeping Torah as the Jewish people, he teaches that Abraham received the promises because of faith, not because of works of the law. To include the promise of a covenant community. It is by faith in that same promise that you become part of this, a part of a larger covenant community. Larger than Israel. You become part of the covenant community of people who are of the same faith as Abraham. And this will be a community of people from all nations of the earth to include Israel. It's a community of those who believe and remain steadfast in their belief that God has blessed them through Abraham's seed. It will be those who are in Messiah because of their faith in this promised seed. The Jewish people are part of a great community, of that great community that will be of Abraham's faith. It includes the nations. It includes the righteous before the flood. It includes Isaac. All those of the faith who had faith in God's promised seed. Paul teaches that one becomes an heir to the promise of Abraham through faith in Abraham's seed or faith in the Messiah the same way Abraham. He had faith that God was going to bring about this seed. Right? The only way to become part of the community of God promised to Abraham is to be a son of Abraham through faith. And the only way to do that is have the same faith. Keeping the Sinai covenant doesn't make you an heir to this promise. Only the same faith and trust in God and in his seed, the Messiah, can make you an heir to the promises of Abraham. There was no contingency in the promise given to Abraham about keeping Torah. No contingency, period, other than having faith. It was not the Torah or works of the law that led Abraham to faith, but it was faith that led Abraham to obey God's commands. He believed God. It was credited to him as righteousness, not he kept Torah and it was credited to him as righteousness. Through faith in the seed, you receive the declaration by God that you are righteous on that great day of judgment. Through the Torah, you live righteously in this life. Simple as that. Which brings us to his next prayer. Paul teaches that one is made righteous by faith in the Messiah. Paul addresses Torah observance. He tells his audience that the Torah wasn't given to make one righteous. It was given to expose sin. It was given to give Israel, also given to give Israel a remedy for the uncleanness that's caused by sin. Sin leaves you unclean before God. It's as if you had on white garments and you're carrying a glass of red wine and you stumble. And the wine stains your white garment. God gave Israel a remedy for the uncleanness. Of course, the remedy was temporary one. It had to be offered year after year. And all of this, Hebrews tells us, was a shadow of the one who would bring about a permanent remedy. So the Torah, by exposing sin and giving us a temporary remedy for sin, foreshadowed the goal of the Torah, which was to offer a permanent remedy for sin that would come through the seed of Abraham and thereby bless all the nations of the earth. 
because all the nations of the earth, to include Israel, needed a permanent remedy. Right? Abraham believed God for a seed and it was credited to him as righteousness. The same is true of you. When you believe God and accept Abraham's seed, who is Yeshua, and his redemptive work, when you believe that he's the son of God in the seed of Abraham, when you believe that he's the prophet like unto Moses, and you accept his guidance in your life, he not only makes you righteous in that he's God's permanent remedy for sin, but he also will direct your life into living a sinless life before him so that you will remain, your feet will remain on a steady path walking before God. The Torah says of Abraham that he believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. After which he kept the commands of God. The same is true of you. When you believe in Yeshua, you accept his direction in your life. Then his righteousness is imparted to you because you believe and his guidance continues to lead you in paths of righteousness to a true spirit-led Torah observance. No ethnicity change required because, as we just read, Yeshua is going to bring salvation to the nations. So for Paul, God's true covenant community really began long before Sinai because it's made up of those who have faith, both Jews and non-Jews. It comes about the same way. Paul is saying that Hebrews, those who are native-born or proselytes who have converted, were nothing more than any other nation when it comes to the righteousness that's imparted through Yeshua. Both those who are Greek and who are Hebrews must accept Yeshua to receive the promises given to Abraham. They must have faith in the seed of Abraham just as Abraham had faith in the seed. You know, I learned a long time ago that sometimes you can say something in just a slightly different way and all of a sudden the lights go off for people, right? That's why when we go through a book like this, I try to say things in a lot of different ways. So let's try it again. The covenant with Abraham was that all nations of the earth will be blessed through the seed of Abraham. You receive that blessing by having faith in the promise of God that he will bless the nations through Abraham's seed. When God says all the nations, he means all the nations to include Israel. Nothing can change that. However, with Israel, he goes a step farther, right? All the nation, of all the nations that are going to be blessed by Messiah, he says this to Israel alone in, in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6. He says, now if you hear my voice and keep my covenant, then out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession. Although the whole earth is mine, You will be for me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to speak to the Israelites. If Israel obeys God and keeps his laws and judgment, they're going to be a special nation out of all the other nations of the earth because none of the other nations of the earth keep God's laws and judgments. And God will bless them. They will have a special blessing in that they follow his decrees. And in Deuteronomy, we find what that special blessing is. Whether or not they come to faith in the seed of Abraham, if they obey his commands, they're going to be blessed in the land that God is going to give them. But while they are blessed, and though they keep the Torah, there's still something larger going on. God has something larger going on. 
there's a larger community being formed. And that community includes Israel, Egyptians, Greeks. It includes those before Yeshua and after Yeshua. It includes those before Abraham and after Abraham. It is a community of faith in the promised seed of Abraham. Faith in the seed of the woman promised to Hava. In this, we are all one in our faith in Messiah. We are in Messiah. We're all part of this larger community made up of all the nations, all blessed in the same way. The Jewish people are a special nation on this earth. But it is faith in the promised seed that makes you part of this greater community. And in this greater community, there is no Jew, there is no Greek, there is no slave, there is no free, there is no male, there is no female, because we are all one of the same faith in Messiah Yeshua. Well, we better get to today's lessons because that's enough for that. (laughs) I've got to save something for today's lesson. Like I said earlier, Paul's going to make a personal appeal now. He's gone through all these scriptures And he's going to continue after this personal appeal. But he makes this personal appeal and he says in verse 12, I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. You have done me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. Even though my illness was a trial to you, did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were the Messiah Yeshua himself. You know, there's a lot of people who want to point to this verse 12 and say that Paul wasn't a Torah observant Jew because it says he became like the Galatians. I became like you. But let me say, this is not keeping with the whole of Scripture in mind because the book of Acts tells us that he was a Torah observant Jew. He did keep the Sabbath and he even offered offerings in the temple. Not just that, but the whole phrase doesn't even make sense. When you think about it, think about this phrase for a moment, the way it's translated here. Become like me, for I became like you. How in the heck do you do that? If he became like them, they wouldn't have to become like him because he'd already be like them. Right? Hardly makes sense, does it? So the right way we can, uh, we can reject that interpretation right off the bat. But, and if we want to find out what it means, I think David Stern hits it on the head. In his uh, Jewish New Testament, he says, Brothers, I beg of you, put yourself in my place. After all, I put myself in your place. Now, when you combine that, when you couple that with the fact, in the very next verse, he's going to speak about preaching. You come up with a little different understanding. He says in the next verse, he says, It was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. So what Paul is saying is that when he preached the gospel, he put himself in their place. You know, when you're teaching or preaching to a group of people, you want to put yourself in their position. It makes what you have to say a little easier. As an example, I would never get up in the pulpit and say, you sinners, you've missed the boat. You've missed the mark. No, I'd rather say, you know, folks, we're sinners. We've all missed the mark. We've missed the boat. That way I identify with you, and rightfully so, because we all are, right? 
If I speak to a, of a Christian understanding of the word of God that I know to be wrong, I don't say, Christians, you Christians got it all wrong. I say, we Christians have misunderstood. And rightfully so. I say that rightfully so because I'm part of that history. The same part of the history that they are. Seem that that error has affected us all. You put yourself in their position because you really are in their position. Or you were at one time anyway. You see, Paul makes a very similar statement in the book of Corinthians. He says this. In 1 Corinthians 9 verse 18, he says, Just this, that in preaching the gospel, I may offer it free of charge. And so not make use of my rights in preaching it. Though I am free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone to win as many as possible. To the Jews, I became like a Jew to win Jews. To those under the law, I became like one under the law, though I myself am not under the law, so as to win those under the law. To those not having the law, I became like one not having the law. Though I am not free from God's law, I am under Messiah's law. So as to win those not having the law. To the weak, I became weak to win the weak. I have become all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. I do this all for the sake of a that I may have a share in its blessings. So he makes the same, pretty much the same statement, only this time he gets a little more complete. And again, if you take it out of the context of preaching, it doesn't make sense. It's only in the context of preaching that it can make sense. Listen to this statement. To the Jew, I became a Jew to win Jews. How can he become a Jew when he is a Jew? You see what I'm saying? Oftentimes in preaching, you try to emphasize with people. So this is not Paul saying that he left his Torah observant lifestyle, that he left that to become a heathen as the Galatians had been in their former days, but that he put himself in their place as he preached the good news to them. So when he preached, he became as those he preached to so as to personalize what personalize the gospel to them. Next, he's going to speak. He's going to speak of all the worry of this all the worry that they have over this circumcision and all of the ramifications uh, that go along with that. He says, what has happened to all your joy? I can testify. If you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Notice he says, what happened to your joy? You know, the really sad part about legalism, works of the law, is that it ends up robbing people of their joy. You know something? There's a great joy experience when you come to know Messiah Yeshua. A great freedom from the things of this age that encumbered you. You're free from the rulers of this age. Be they religious leaders, as in the case of Paul, or as in the case of Galatians, idol worshipers. Be they drugs or whatever, you're free. And it's all because of God's love, nothing that you did. Legalism removes that joy that Messiah brings by placing a burden of a different kind on you. The burden is one that Paul had experienced and the other disciples experienced. It's one Yeshua speaks of when he says they tie up heavy loads and put them on men's shoulders but are not willing to lift a finger to move them. 
And because of this burden being placed on the Galatians, they're now being robbed of their joy. And they haven't even, they haven't even completed the process yet. They're just in contemplation of doing it. And it's already robbed them of their joy. True joy is only known in the freedom that comes through faith in the seed of Abraham. You have a promise apart from the law. That if you have faith in the seed, you'll be blessed by God and nothing can take that promise from you as long as you remain steadfast in that faith. Keep the Torah. You can keep the Torah. Yes, you can keep the Torah. You can keep all of those things the Torah requires of you and you'll be blessed in this life and you'll stand out from the rest of the world because the rest of the world doesn't do those things. But don't... Let anyone fool you into thinking that keeping anyone's particular works of the law or not keeping anyone's particular works of the law affects that promise. Nothing can affect that promise. It has no conditions. That's what Paul is trying to get across. Yeshua will lead you into a righteous walk. Then he says, and I like this because it's the truth. He says, have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? Sad to say, you tell people the truth and you're probably going to end up being their enemy. It's true. Now, when we speak of works of the law, we should all know by now we're talking about oral Torah. The first of those oral laws that was eventually written down is per vote one. I want to read it for you. It says, Moses received the law at Sinai and delivered it to Joshua. Joshua in turn handed it to, down to the elders. The, from the elders it descended to the prophets. Each of them delivered it to his successor until it reached the men of the great of the assembly. The last named or originated three maxims. Do not be hasty in judgment. Bring up many disciples and erect safeguards for the law. We need to keep this in mind as we read what Paul says about the influencers. This very first tractate of the Mishnah sums up the whole problem in Galatia. This is the whole problem in a nutshell. It says, erect safeguards for the Torah. Those are the works of the law that the influencers are trying to impose. Their desire to make disciples of these Galatians is taking the Galatians away from discipleship in Messiah Yeshua. The influences are attempting to make disciples of the non-Jews. And Paul says this in verse 17. They are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us so that you may be zealous for them. They're zealous to win you over. Notice it says they want to make uh, you zealous for them. You see, the task of any rabbi was to make disciples, just as Prophet Keavot said. They were to teach them to walk after their manner, keep Torah after their manner, learn all the traditions word for word. That's what these fellows are zealous to do, to win the Galatian over to their works of the law and have them be circumcised, be part of this covenant community. In order to do that, they must first be alienated from Messiah, though. Because in Messiah, there is no converting to any other ethnicity. There's no conversion to necessary. 
Messiah accepted you the way you are. In fact, your being accepted the way you are and remaining the way you are is proof that God will bless the nations through Messiah and bring salvation to the ends of the earth. You're in Messiah. Hey, guess what? You've arrived. You're there. All that is necessary is to remain steadfast and let Messiah lead. Verse 18 says, it's fine to be zealous provided the purpose is good and to all and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My dear children, for whom I am again in pains of childbirth until Messiah is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone because I am perplexed about you. I love what he says, being being formed in you. It's an interesting way of stating that they're in the process of maturing. Maturing in Messiah. Learning to hear that small voice within. Learning to walk through life as he walked. And let me close with saying, they're in this process of learning to be able to hear the Messiah in them and trust what they hear enough to act upon it and change their lives accordingly. And we're in the same process, each of us, maturing in Messiah. And let us make every effort to hear his voice and